Hello. I'm here talking to Kendall. I'm here talking to Annie, and I'm telling you about the murder of Bill McLaughlin. Sources are in the show notes. Everything's alleged, but this is definitely tell no one. Enjoy. Don't let anyone tell you podcasting isn't hard work because we just had to pause and cry. <laughs> we talked and cried together. We had to cry. We had to um, <laughs> reassure each other that we think each other are um, not good dumb. And, good and smart and fun. <laughs> it's we creative. each had to admit to pretty deep um, wounds and insecurities. <laughs> and that's called, and that's on creative partnership. The communication. That's called business partnership. I felt friendship too, though. Yeah, it's like the whole thing. It well, you can't separate it. <laughs> don't honestly, don't go into business with like just anybody. It would be. I can imagine people are like, "Oh, my business partner." I'm like, "Do you know how well do you know him though?" <laughs> <laughs> okay, girls, girls, girls. Okay, and I would call that McLaughlin. McLaughlin, right? Okay. Um, when's your meeting? I just got an eye on the clock here. Eleven forty. Eleven forty. Okay. All right. So Bill McLaughlin, like mm-hmm. Lori. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bill McLaughlin was born in 1939 on the South. No, on the South side of Chicago. He's got two older brothers, Patrick and John Jr. They did not have a ton of money growing up. Um, after high school, he enlists in the Marines and then goes to college in LA. He stays in California after he graduates in 1964 and meets a flight attendant named Sue and they get married in 1966. He is interested in working in the pharmaceutical industry. Yep, here we May go. <laughs> uh, the Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Love and Other Drugs. Yeah. Really good movie. I cry. Cry, cry, cry. I remember watching that in your mom's bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad, but it's good. Heartbreaking. It's kind of kind of like that. So they move back to Huntington Beach, California, and they have a daughter named Kim, and then Jenny, and then Kevin. He develops a dialysis catheter called the McLaughlin Duocath in 1977. Oh my god, patented? Oh, absolutely. He invent. It's like um, I don't know catheter. I don't know what it is. Got to be a catheter, right? Right. You wouldn't put that word in for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but he also invents a pump that also does dialysis stuff. So he's like in the medical pharmaceutical medical devices, medical devices, and they actually do like help a lot of people. So he's making a lot of money is what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say here. Speaking of business partners, he meets Jacob Horowitz in 1973 at a company where Jacob was working to develop dialysis machines. Um, They run into each other again in 1978 and Bill proposes that they go into business together. Um, So Jacob, because he's like an engineer, he's like the designer, he would work on the tech side of a blood plasma separator Mm-hmm. while Bill would like take care of the business. They sign a five-year agreement in 1978 to split everything 50-50. They complete the invention in 1982 and get a patent. By 1986, Bill sells the company to someone else and will receive tens of millions of dollars in royalties from this. Um, but Jacob was actually shut out of the company because his inventions didn't actually work and they had to like bring in another engineer to make the machine. So I can see both sides. He did sign a contract, but he didn't deliver anything. Like all, all of his inventions didn't work. 
Yeah, I, I feel bad for him. Right. So be careful who you go into business with. I get him if he were to turn angry and violent. Right. I mean, don't do it, but I would kind of get the feeling. Definitely like motive. Yeah. If something bad were to happen to Bill. Cut out of a $10 million deal. Tens don't of millions. Don't mind me. I'm going to fucking kill you. Royalties over the years. It keeps paying out. Yeah. So Jacob does sue Bill. Um, and then Bill countersues. So we are in the midst of a big lawsuit right now. We're litigating. Oh, what a nightmare. <laughs> in Bill's personal life, things aren't going so well either. Sue is a stay-at-home mom, and so she's taking care of the children and household while he's off making his millions, but he would often remind her that the money was his because he earned it. Why do you fucking care? She's like, okay. I mean, once again, Betty Broderick. That's who that is, right? Who paid for for him to go through. Yeah. Of like, you wouldn't be able to make this money if I weren't here taking care of the house and kids. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, I agree with her. Um, he's also drinking kind of heavily, but they divorce in 1991 and Sue moves to one of their homes in Hawaii. I would hate to live in a tropical. You would. The humidity. I'm not very carefree. Yeah. Meanwhile, Nanette Johnston was born in 1965 in Chicago. She is not a very honest or straightforward woman. <laughs> she- <laughs> I don't know how else to say this. <laughs> she claims to have graduated high school a year early as valedictorian, but she actually dropped out. Hmm. You know, so like, well, just lies. You're a big liar. Correct. You could tell people you finished. You don't need to tell like the lie that like you were the best ever. <laughs> right. Like saying you graduated would be a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Bill, recently divorced, is 54 at the time, meets the attractive 25-year-old Nanette through an online dating platform where she had posted an ad that read, wealthy men only, classy, well-educated woman, knows how to take care of her man if you take care of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say no more. <laughs> um, so Bill and Nanette start dating, and it's not long before she is moving into his Newport Beach home. I think we're living the... um. SoCal life standard. Yeah. Right. It's not odd. Like, no one thinks it's, like, super weird that he has a very young girlfriend. No. So she has two children, Lachelle, who's four, and Chris, who's six. Nanette quits her job after Bill told her that her only job is to attend to him. Ew. Right. But, like, you're a dick about that. With your other wife, you were mean to her when she didn't have a job and let you pay for... We know what I mean. Bill's complicated. (laughs) She asks him to reverse his vasectomy. Um, He's like, I'm 100% not going to do that, but I will pay for a new boob job for you and give you a diamond ring. But he tells everyone that it's just a companion diamond ring. A companion diamond? I mean, how sad. I mean, if she really wanted a boob job... Oh, now you got it. That's fine with me. Rock on with that. I know, but I hope that he didn't tell her, like, what I will do for you. No, she... You know what I mean? She certainly wanted it because... I didn't know how to fit this in, but at one point, her... One of her husbands found, like, a note in her purse. It was just, like, a list that was... That read, like, chest, cheeks, chin, nose, and, like, something else. (laughs) (laughs) Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, hmm? And she's like, I have no idea what that is. My, the operations I'm going to get. And it, yeah. And like chest was like crossed out. Like, and <laughs> she's like, but these are all natural. <laughs> okay, good then. Then I'm happy for her. Right. 
Uh, she spends a lot of her time at the gym where she meets and interacts with a lot of hunky men. Just mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bill's daughters aren't thrilled about about Nanette, but they're also kind of like, whatever. It's his choice. Yeah, like, what am I going to do? How old are they? Probably like 10? No, they're in their 20s. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, gross, dad, but whatever. Ew, but okay. Yeah, that's basically the vibe. So his son, Kevin, is in his early 20s and lives with Bill because he had been struck by a drunk driver while skateboarding and was in a coma for three months. He spent over a year in a rehab facility where he had to learn how to do everything again. Yeah, nightmare. But despite his severe TBI, Kevin still smokes pot and drinks alcohol, which Bill does not approve of. Bill made him promise to abstain or he would send him to a care facility. So Kevin starts attending AA meetings. And Kevin usually goes to AA meetings on Thursdays. But on Thursday, December 15th, 1994, he didn't feel like going. Okay. Around seven that night, Kevin and Bill have dinner together at the house. Kevin tells Bill he's going upstairs to listen to music. And Nanette will be home later. She was at a soccer game with her son. Kevin's upstairs. He puts his headphones on, chilling. You know, it's 94. Um, A little while later, he hears several popping noises. He takes his headphones off and listens for more, but he doesn't hear anything. He decides to check it out. Uh, He walks around the upstairs and no one's upstairs. He makes his way down the stairs to the kitchen, which is not easy for him to do. Like, he's still, like, learning how to walk. Mm -hmm. So this took some effort. Um, He goes into the kitchen where he sees his father, Bill, lying on his side, surrounded by bullet casings and, like, blood on the tile. His glasses are off and broken next to him, and there's no sign of a gun. Kevin calls 911, but, like, it's so hard for him to convey what's happened. Like, and I'm sure, like, in a, in a panic, too. Exactly. Like, there's panic, and he has trouble, like, speaking. Like a bad, I have that dream. Yeah. I'm, like, in a trauma, unable to communicate. That's exactly what it, that literally have that dream? is a dream where you're like, I can't get the words out. Yeah. That's basically what happens to Kevin is like, because his TBI and stuff mm-hmm. and the trauma of it, he can't, like, it takes like 10 minutes for them to convey what's going on. Oh my God. And they still don't really know, but they all, they, but they gather, know to come now. They gather like a gun has been involved somehow. So okay. um, paramedics arrive. There's no gun. Did I already say there's no gun there? Yeah. Okay. When the paramedics arrive, they notice that the front door is wide open and a key is stuck in the lock. So like, okay. You know how doors work. I do, but like <laughs> the um whoever came in and killed him had a fucking key and left it in the door. Okay. There um is another key like had been dropped on the doormat too. I mean, okay. How sloppy could you be? <laughs> You're a fucking idiot, but okay. <laughs> Both keys looked new, like they're like shiny and new. Like I made a hitman a copy of the key to my home. Exactly. To kill my man over here. Exactly. And their HOA was very stingy with their key handouts and like basically forbid you from making copies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kept a list of everyone who had a key. Um, this is a gated community. Got it. The paramedics see that Bill is dead and probably has been since before Kevin da- came downstairs, like pretty immediately. He had six bullets into his chest, heart and lungs. Like, oh, I'm not living. No. Two of the shots were fired within two feet of his skin. So pretty close. Um, and they were shot kind of like downwards. And Bill is 5'10", so the killer would have to have been taller than him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there's no blood on Kevin's hands or clothing. He also tests negative for gunshot residue. Um, they ask him about who had keys, copies of the keys. Um, and he said just six people, Nanette, um, Bill's three kids, a housekeeper and a neighbor who dog sat for them sometimes. So Nanette gets to the house around 10. She had just come from Christmas shopping at the mall and they noticed that her key ring was missing a key. Your fucking himbo hitman left the key in the door, dude. Yeah. How humiliated are you? Yeah, and one on the thing. Like, what? Like a guy you met at the gym cannot carry out a hit for you. If you ask a meathead yeah. to kill, you're, you're going to get a meathead result. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so they ask her about her activities that day. Shopping at noon, came home. Drove her son to his soccer game for 6 p.m., which was actually delayed till 6.30, and then went into double overtime until 8. She w- had been planning to take her kids home with her that night, but because it was so late, they decided to stay at their dad's house. So after dropping them there, she drove to a plaza to shop, and she has shopping bags in the car and receipts from Crate and Barrel to prove it. At like 9 p.m.? Time stamped for 9.49 p.m. God. She's like, oh, by the way, he's in litigation with Jacob Horowitz, who he massively screwed over, if you're interested. (laughs) (laughs) She agrees to a house search and gunshot residue test. I mean, no one's thinking she's the trigger lady, Mm -hmm. you know? So she's, well, no shit off her shit. Comes back negative, duh. She also gives them the combination to Bill's safe where he kept financial records and life insurance policies. He has quite a few policies and trusts. He has a special health needs trust for Kevin. So his medical care is taken care of. Um, And she is also the beneficiary of a policy, a life insurance policy, but she claims to not know how much it was worth, but it is worth a million dollars. A million, a cool million in 94. In 94. Don't mind me. That would have been like 10 million today, right? Or like four. You want to find out? Let's find out. Okay. I'm curious. Probably four. I would at least double it. Yeah. I think that the idea of like a million dollar anything, it meant a lot more like uh, 20 years ago, you know? Yes. So a million. And how many zeros? (laughs) One, two, three. (laughs) One, two, three. (laughs) In December 94. Buying power as... Two, $2 million. Two. Oh. oh. <laughs> so. Okay. Okay. So a million dollars. When asked about who has access to the keys, she names the same people that Kevin did. Um, but she also drops that maybe some copies had not been been returned by some like workmen that they've had around the house. Mm-hmm. She also says like, I've never made any copies myself. Personally. <laughs> I've never done that. Okay. She also does not seem very upset by his death, which is like, like, am I going to read into it? I know. You never know. But I mean, we do know. But, Mm. you know, in general, you never know. Mm. She never mentioned anything about how lucky it was that they weren't home when he was murdered like they had been planning to be. Like, if the game hadn't been delayed, she would have been home with her children. Like, Mm -hmm. none of that's happening no panic over are are we in danger nope she does not seem like she thought there was any more threat happening oh yeah good i think yeah you'd go into who killed him and why and what the fuck a gunman came into my home right she's just like well that's over yeah yeah, they got who they wanted i guess (laughs) (laughs) 
So the day after um, Bill's murder, Nanette takes Kevin out to breakfast, which she had never done before. She also tells Kevin that he's the one who needs to call his sisters and tell them that Bill was murdered. Why, though? Like, why do you need him to call? I think she, I mean, usually, well, like, if you're responsible for it, maybe you don't want to yeah i mean like it would be another another acting gig for her yeah like i don't really feel like doing that (laughs) it sounds annoying (laughs) quickly they see that this is not a random shooting um it's obviously targeted a targeted hit they um they put 24-hour surveillance on both of bill's newport beach homes yeah he's got plenty of homes to have more than one in one town why more than one like literally on the ocean they're like a quick drive away from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they interview Jacob Horowitz, who has an alibi and is ruled out. They interview a neighbor who says she heard shots the night of the murder um, and looked across the channel because we are on the ocean, mm. um, and but didn't see anything. Thank you very much. Why did I even put that in the story? <laughs> <laughs> the channel? Like, um, I think maybe I just wanted to get across it like we are on water. Yeah. And the imagery, the green light. Or sure, yes, <laughs> looking across the channel. And yeah. also, like, they deduce then that whoever came by did not come by boat. Good. Which is like, I didn't <laughs> think they did. <laughs> I'm glad we could rule that out. <laughs> they also didn't helicopter in. Yeah, we're not in, like, I don't know, glass onion. <laughs> yeah. um, so Nanette's ex-husband, Kevin, a.k.a. K-Ross, it's the man's name. <laughs> they had been married in 1983, and he's the father of the children. Mm-hmm. He had met Bill previously when dropping off the kids on one day, but he said that Nanette told him that her relationship with Bill was strictly business. Hmm. But he's like, look, I've known Nanette a long time, and I know what she means by a business relationship. He also mentions to the police that Nanette had told him, quote, Eric has nothing to do with this. And they're like, excuse me, who's Eric? And Kevin goes on to tell him about Nanette's boyfriend, Eric Naposky. Mm-hmm. Football player. Big lug. Tall man. Mm-hmm. Kevin says that Nanette told Eric and Kevin that Bill is just her business mentor. Mm-hmm. Nothing sexual going on here. Eric seems to have believed that Kevin knows better. So Kevin describes the soccer game that night because he was there because it's his son. Um, Call him um, K-Ross. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit with the kid. Okay. K-Ross describes the soccer game that night. Uh, They did go overtime. They tied, um, went to double overtime. Nana and her boyfriend Eric were there. And they seemed like they were in a big hurry to leave. Mm-hmm. And they did not stay for them, like, handing out the medals. They said that children go into double overtime. <laughs> Apparently, let them go death. home. <laughs> like, they have fucking bedtime. I think Chris is, like, six, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Kevin was confused as to why Nanette would miss that, like, the ceremony. Well, if you were here for the whole fucking... And it's like, what do you have to do? It's 9 p.m. on, like, a weeknight. Yeah. I gotta get to Crane Barrel and get a... F- and get a receipt. No, no, no. She also changes the original plan of having the kids stay with her that night. She's like, K Ross, you take them. So the police are surveilling Nana and they follow her to a store where she buys not one, not two, but three dirt bikes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, tonight? The day after the death, the murder. Oh, 
She also goes to Wells Fargo Bank, where she withdraws $3,000 on a cash advance of one of Bill's credit cards. Also, shortly after the murder, Bill's daughters tell Manette that the, the three of them, like the daughters and Kevin, are all going to go to Hawaii to stay with their mother for a bit and like mourn there and spread Bill's ashes. They tell her while they're gone, she can move her stuff out of the house that she was living in with Bill mm-hmm. and move it into the second beach house. Like, they're not kicking her out on the street. Like, they're like, you just go to the smaller beach house. Yeah. Okay. Thank cool. you. When they get home, they're shocked to see that she has basically cleared out Bill's office, his computer, fax machine, files. She also took his Cadillac and his baseball signed by Babe Ruth. Oh, my God. <laughs> the great Bambino. <laughs> <laughs> She's cleared us out. <laughs> <laughs> that's my retirement <laughs> oh my god when they go through their father's belongings they find that she did leave behind some red pumps a red teddy and a vibrator so you took the babe ruth baseball but you left this you left your vibrator you know what you're doing you're being yucky that's like asserting dominance in some way yeah <laughs> She also did not take any of the pictures of her and Bill together, but did take all of the solo shots of her, including a photo of her um, in lingerie on a motorcycle. Uh, When cleaning out his Las Vegas home, his daughters also find a poster size version of this photo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh. There is a memorial service for Bill on December 21st. At the service, Bill's brother Patrick is talking with little Christopher, Nanette's son, when Christopher blurts out, my mom's boyfriend plays football. And they're like, I'll do it. Noted. We're going to tell the police. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she had fucking nerve to have the boyfriend at the, um, Kids the game. game that night like you have you have him in your life yes because she's telling eric bill's just a business friend yeah i don't know man i would err toward the guy i'm trying to get all the money from you know what i mean i don't know I- why you can't just be like happily companioned with this guy like why do you have to kill him i'm in love with my himbo pry <laughs> my himbo for my cold dead hands <laughs> yeah. right yeah So they are still surveilling um, the house. um, And the day after the memorial service for Bill, they see a burly man pull up to the home in a black Nissan Pathfinder with New York license plates. And um, Nanette's children like run out of the house to greet him and like hug him. So like they for sure know who he is. He leaves 10 minutes later and they follow him. Officers pull him over and take his name and run a check. Um, It's Eric Naposky. Uh, they let him go, but they follow to, but they continue to follow him where he pulls into a Ramada Inn. Okay, hot but broke. He is broke. Yeah. <laughs> um, they find that he has an outstanding warrant for failure to appear for a three hundred dollar traffic violation. So now they have cause to bring him in. Okay. Later that night, officers follow him to a nightclub where he works as a bouncer until two a.m. And then they arrest him and bring him downtown. They search his Nissan and they find like a notebook. And one note said, get Nanette Ring, $2,500. They also find his calendar that indicates he's planning to propose to Nanette on New Year's Day. And he calls Nanette a good friend. And that they met two years ago when he was running a children's program at a gym in Irvine. Um, He also has two children and they bonded over that. 
They started working out together and doing things with their kids, blah, blah, blah. You're going to pop the question to your good friend. Right. It's the lying that makes me suspicious of you guys. If you're going to go with me and Bill had an arrangement. Yeah. He didn't care that I had Eric too. Go with that. Yeah. The multiple, like the parallel lives is what's going to trip you up. Just try to be as honest as possible. (laughs) Or like pick a lie and and live that lie. Right, right, right. When asked about Bill and his murder, he said he doesn't know anything about it. He's like, I didn't know that they were supposedly engaged. Um, Because Nanette is telling people that they're engaged because of her companion diamond. Uh He's like, I thought they were like father-daughter mentor vibes. Men don't collect a 25-year-old mentee. No. You're talking about a mentor relationship. Like, we all have that. But we're also (laughs) talking about it as if Nanette is like an entrepreneur. Like, she is not like (laughs) Barbara Cochran or whatever. Yeah. He So Eric also believed that Nanette was a millionaire on her own. Why would I be that? (laughs) Why he was willing to kill for her. Yeah. He says the night of the murder, he was with Nanette at the soccer game. She dropped him off at his hotel. And then he went to work around 930. They search his hotel room and find muddy shoes, as well as a receipt for a $600 watch purchased on December 22nd. But they also find bank statements showing that he just had over $900 in his bank account. Mind your business. (laughs) (laughs) So a friend posts his bail for him and he is released, but they put a tracking device on his car and follow him to a storage unit. January 19th, they search the unit and find the three dirt bikes that Nan had bought. (laughs) (laughs) Why buy them to, like, we're going to have to hide them away. Why three? (laughs) Oh, you mean my kid? Looking for a third? (laughs) (laughs) Or are they looking for a third? (laughs) Um, They also find in his notebook... The characters 2WWL034. And this is written before his Bill murder. Nope. And this is written before Bill's murder, which I don't know how they deduced that. But this happens to be Bill's license plate number. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) They speak to his past employer at a gym where he was a trainer for three months, which happened to be the gym where Nanette worked out. He was fired for having a, quote, bad attitude and for freaking out when they towed his motorcycle. He, like, threw a fit and, like, threatened everybody. He's on steroids, I think. Yeah, I do. He kept working out there, though, because Nanette had purchased a membership for him. So she's acting like the sugar baby becomes a sugar mommy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. I mean... Sugar grandson? (laughs) (laughs) Is it Bill's sugar grandson? (laughs) (laughs) To move up in the world like that. Living out the American dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they do find that Eric owned two firearms, one of which is a nine millimeter that is missing. January 5th, 1995, Nanette takes a polygraph and she is found to be deceptive on the questions that are like, do you know what happened to Bill? But she's truthful on the ones of like, did you shoot Bill? Yeah. She's like, no. January 6th, she tells the police, she's like, I feel so guilty for giving out so many keys to like our gardeners. It must have been one of them. Okay. The like, the anonymity of the gardener. Right? Like, <laughs> huh? Whom? Yeah. Well, it's just like, I'll like, pretend to have a little innocent guilt. So you don't think I have like the big guilt. Yeah. If, if you're reading guilt, 
on the polygraph thing. Right. I am not guilty, but I feel guilty. I feel guilty about those keys. I'm so stupid. Yeah. As a really good girl, I feel guilty that I had any even unwitting part in it. Right. Like, I'm just a careless hottie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. She also says that Bill knew Eric was her friend. So he wouldn't have been like, I'm not being sneaky. And she didn't believe that she had ever said anything to Eric that would make him want to kill Bill. Okay. She also says that she would have benefited more financially if Bill were alive, which I actually kind of believe. I believe that, but I think you are a dummy. Right. And you didn't, you're like, I just rather would not hang out with this guy. I don't have all his money. It would take like a long time to hang out with him to get more diamond shit and more money from him. I'd rather kill him today and get a million right now. And go off with my himbo into the sunset. Like, I'd rather not have to ask for the money. Yeah. Not me, dude. Uh Uh-uh. Like, I would be happy to chill and just every now and again be like, can I have 10 grand? Right. (laughs) Right. I would love that. Why push your luck? But she had it made. The two Newport Beach houses. Yeah. I mean, like, I think we often, when when people kill for money, it will often come down to, like, you're pushing your fucking luck. It's a matter of patience. Don't get fresh. Right. (laughs) Right. And later in the... And now... Slow it down. (laughs) Later in the interview, she does admit that Eric was her lover, not just a hunky friend. But like, you are now a known liar. Yeah. Like today you lied to a cop or whatever. And like, not about insignificant shit, but about like your relationship. Your relationship with a guy who they think might have killed your boyfriend. Fiance? Yeah. Correct. Okay, dude. They still could not arrest either of them because they have no direct evidence. They're just like, hanky. Hmm. They do find some interesting things because Bill's accountant is looking through his final few months of bank statements. Um, he asks Nanette for the November, December, and January statements, and she hands them. She's like, absolutely, here is what you asked for, and she gives him just November and January. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay. So the ending balance on the November statement was around $650,000 out going out that was like the ending like that's how much it was in there at the end of november okay by the end of january it had forty thousand dollars in it so the accountant requests the december statement straight from the bank um and calls detectives and they see that some very large checks had been paid out (laughs) okay i think now we're getting into why she killed him now exactly like you're about to find out maybe bill you're maybe bill would have found out any day now Mm -hmm. that she had like drained his accounts and uh you you might you're gonna break up with me and i kind of you're gonna arrest me dude (laughs) yeah (laughs) um one check was made out to nanette johnson trust for two hundred fifty thousand dollars december 14th the day before he was murdered she wrote a check to herself, herself for a quarter of a million dollars the day before he died. Oh, man. Okay, why would no one find out about that, Nanette? What a weird name. It it's came so out hard to weird. say. <laughs> it's so annoying. Um, If you have like a money trail lead, like connecting you to the crime. Yeah. Gotcha. And the actual like physical checks are not matching up with the checks that are registered in their QuickBooks. The checks in QuickBooks are made out to Nana are about $1,000, but the actual checks are more like $5,000. They get an anonymous call um, from Nanette's previous employer saying in April 1990, she was fired from her job because she was forging customer signatures on advertising contracts. I'm a liar. What do you want from me? For something about Nanette, she's going to skim off the top. Yeah. She's going to cut corners. 
Um, an ex-boyfriend named Tom Reynolds calls the police and calls her cunning and a determined woman who sought out rich men. He says when they were together, she led him to $91,000 in bankruptcy. Okay. I mean, that's nothing to the 650 we're working with now. And like, I don't know, being, being a little rotten with my boyfriend, pressuring him to buy me anything here and there. Okay, fine. Right. But now I've killed a man. I've killed a man and I've like embezzled in crazy ways. Yeah. But thank you for calling me cunning. And determined. Wow. (laughs) Okay. A realtor calls detectives and says that she had seen pictures of Eric and Nanette in the newspaper and recognized them from showing them a residential residential lot in a gated neighborhood in August of 94. They told her that they had four kids and were looking for a million dollar home to move into in spring of 95. The timing was very important. (laughs) Oh, my God. And we know Eric doesn't have no million dollars. He has $900 in his bank account. What do you two have planned where you're going to come into a a cool million? Yeah. A different realtor called the police and said that she had shown a $5.5 million property to Nana and Bill in October of 94. Oh, she's playing her cards on both sides. I know, but like... Just stay with Bill and buy the house. What the fuck are you doing? I feel that way too. Like no matter the football player. I mean, I think that I would be with my 5.5 million, you know, rocking out. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be rocking. I'd be booking classes. Who knows what I'd be doing? Yeah. I would be trying to get on Bravo. Yeah. She easily could have. (laughs) Duh. So Eric hires an attorney who sends a letter to the DA declaring his innocence. He says he has no idea that Nanette was romantically involved with Bill and had no motive to kill him. He also claimed that he had an alibi. Bill was killed around 9, 10 p.m. And Eric left the soccer game at around 8.20, then drove to his home slash Ramada Inn and changed and went to work. He returned a page at a Denny's at 8.52. And there is a credit card record of this call. He would not have had enough time to drive to the scene, murder, and then leave to do all of that, is what he's saying. I think you would have. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Uh, They declined to file charges against Eric at this time. Five months later, they reject the case again, and they say that they need either a gun, new physical evidence, or a new witness. The detectives get a warrant for Nanette's arrest for her check forging. Um, They charge her with grand theft um, of $500,000 and 15 counts of forgery. I have been doing that. That's pretty easy to prove. Yeah. Uh, If I were like the children. Yeah. Livid. I know. Livid. My egg. My egg. My Babe Ruth baseball. Nest egg. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My Babe Ruth baseball. So unsurprisingly nana and eric break up see you could have just been like vaguely uninspired as a housewife (laughs) the idea that you would throw it all away for a random hunk hunk he's not even very hunky he's not hunky at all okay like (laughs) (laughs) that we don't even kind of like don't even find attractive come on to have all that going for you. Yeah. You have worked hard to get into a rich man's home. And now here you are with a companion ring. <laughs> with a companion what diamond. What more could a woman fucking want? <laughs> <laughs> You've done it. You've won. <laughs> yeah. All, you're going to throw all that away. 
Um, so she pleads guilty and serves 180 days and then is back on the dating scene. Can't tie her down. No. Well, I need a job. Yes. So she marries a wealthy businessman named John Packard and they have a baby. Okay. Then they divorce. She marries a wealthy man named Bill McNeil and then had a baby. Do we have five? Four. We're, we're going to have four now. Okay. In 1999, Kevin dies in a surfing accident. Holy shit, Kevin, you're an indoor kid. I'm so sad about Kevin. Eric moves to the East Coast. How do you die? Drown. What happened? I don't know. Maybe blue crash. I got bonged to my head and yeah. then I drowned. Or, I mean, who knows if he was like physically at 100% yet. I don't know. Horrible. So Eric moves to the East Coast and gets married and has two more children and becomes a personal trainer. Four children on a PT budget. Get your hands off of me. <laughs> That's my first thought to think of a personal trainer. 2009, Eric is living in Greenwich, Connecticut, when he is arrested for the murder of Bill McLaughlin. Yeah. Back in California, Nanette is also arrested. They have a new witness named Susan, who lives in the same apartment complex as Eric did. And claims that Eric had told her once that he wanted to kill Bill. He said that Bill, Nanette's business partner, had been sexually assaulting her. He also told her that the police think... So after the murder, he tells her the police think I did it because I have the same type of gun as the murder weapon. But the type of gun that killed Bill had not yet been released. Yeah, there we go. They think I did it. Because I did it. <laughs> um, the payphone alibi. He no longer has copies of his like credit card bill because this was like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, though. If, like, if it freed me, I might take a photo of it and laminate it. it. I might laminate it. <laughs> he didn't. Okay. Um, but the prosecution argues even if it was legit, he probably still would have had time to commit the murder. His defense says, no, he didn't. It's up for debate. Um, The defense could not explain why he had Bill's license plate written in his little diary. Mm. Um, But they focused on the fact that there was like little to no forensic evidence. After seven hours of deliberation, he is found guilty. Um, He maintains his innocence, but is sentenced to life without parole. Nanette goes on trial in 2012. Um, They argue that she gave Eric a key and told him when to go when Kevin would be at AA. Mm. Her defense claims that Eric just did this on his own. Um, Bill's daughter read her victim impact statement. Quote, no one should be interrupted while having dinner in the safety of their own home by a person pointing a gun at him. I feel very grateful to have had such a wonderful father in my life for as long as I did. I wish he could have stayed with us longer and that God would have chosen his time to leave rather than a person with a gun and a greedy heart. Okay. Okay. I don't think that I mentioned that Nanette was um, convicted and sentenced to life. Did I mention that? We did it now. Did I have to? <laughs> um, so, yeah, she was in 2012. Yeah. And when asked if, he, if Eric is going to give up claiming his innocence, he says, I'm never going to stop because I have nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> Right. Um, to be a lifelong liar, by the way, I could never. I'm terrified of that. I'm too simple. Well, I'm too like, oh, God, what do I care? I'm also just like, <laughs> they know. Like, I know that they know. Yeah. Whenever I'm lying, I'm like, they know. Okay. 
I never know how to end it. And people don't like the way we end it. Actually, I can't tell if they like it or not. I think they're like, this is the ending we are given. <laughs> we just have to accept it. <laughs> this is the ending you're being given. <laughs> 